Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to Thrive Deeper, episode 97. It's your host, DJ Payne here. And on this fortnight's episode, we go through Revelation chapters 6 to 9. Matthew's going to crack his theological knuckles as he goes deep into these chapters here. And I tell you, it's about to get darker and it's about to get terrific. And I mean that in the old sense of the word, terror All right, so strap yourselves in, open up your Bibles, grab your copy of Thrive and get ready as we go through this roller coaster into some of the darker parts of Revelation. It's all about seals and trumpets and angels. Get ready. It's going to get sort of weird here on Thrive Deeper, episode 97. Matthew. DJ. <laughs> here we are. Here we, here we here are we again. Are. Now, listen, I usually have some sort of witty thing to say mm. or some sort of funny question to uh, to give to you at the beginning of the episode. Do you? I haven't noticed. <laughs> I haven't noticed any wit. Thanks. Is that, you're going to start that, are you? Yeah, yeah. I am. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, the... <laughs> Uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. I'm telling mm. myself right now. The um, but but I, I tell you what. In light of reading over these chapters of Revelation again and again, even listening to them on different Bible audio apps, oh boy, it's like I'm. I'm I feel like I'm in the middle of watching a horror movie, like a, mm. a, a really horrific horror movie here. As we enter into these next few chapters of Revelation. Well, speaking of movies, there's a movie, The Seventh Seal, isn't there? There is. I, think I, it's I got can't Arnold, even. Know. I don't I even. Think know. It's got Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, it hasn't. No, it's an older movie. Anyway, I should, am I thinking of a different I, one? I can't even remember if I've seen it. But uh, yeah, the, the yeah, this you know, the Seven Seals is yeah. something that I've heard. It's somewhere in popular. In fact, there's a number of things from the Book of Revelation that come out in various, like the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Yes, we're going to look at today. Yeah, that comes uh, up. You know, in in different ways in popular culture, we see some of these ideas. Yeah coming up. The apocalypse and we get into end times and people look at the end of the world. And this is one of the reasons why during this time right now in in history, off the back of a COVID coronavirus pandemic and now in the middle of America with all these protests and riots and everything going on about race and identity, Mm. the book of Revelation, people are turning to in their real lives every day. So my question to you is like, <laughs> How, is this a good book to turn to right now? I think it's always a good book to turn to because it's a book of perspective. Yeah. And we always need this perspective. It's a book that gives us a perspective on not just on the end times where we're going, but of course, understanding where things are going is the crucial perspective on now. Um, but it also depicts um, some of the crucial aspects about the situation we live in right now in terms of the spiritual dynamics. You know, Mm. we're in the midst of a spiritual battle, spiritual issues at stake, and I think Book of Revelation depicts this really graphically. 
Okay. So I reckon we just jump straight into yeah, yeah. it. I reckon we, because again, just to give everybody a quick overflow overview of what we've gone through, the book of Revelation written by the Apostle John in his old age out in an island of Patmos, he's sitting there and God is giving him a revelation of things to come in the future. Mm. We've seen what is happening right now and that's the seven churches. We, we see a, a scene of heaven and we get introduced to the Lamb of God, which is Jesus and and is both the lamb of god you know the the, the lamb that carries the wounds with him uh you know from the once was slain but he is equally God in the in the praise yeah. that he's given, which is an amazing testimony to yep. the triune God in yep. there. That's right. We see the spirit of God operating in front of the throne as well, and we see John is 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 looking as the whole of heaven waits in anticipation for these seven seals to be broken, yeah. you know, and we are now in chapter six, the seals That's begin right. to get broken. So this is the unfolding of the plan of God uh, and the lamb is worthy to implement the plan of God. Of course, um, it, it has to be, there has to be this divine human figure that does this yes. because really only God can do this, but yet this is a human responsibility because remember God put human beings in charge in the first place, which is what raises the question, is there anyone worthy to um, to open the scroll? Yes. Um, because it's man's responsibility to implement the, pers- uh, the purpose of God uh, yep. on the earth. And so the the, li- the importance of the lion lamb figure yes. is that he is worthy to open the scroll because he is both fully God, fully man. Wow. And so, um, and, and of course, um, because of what he has done in terms of um, offering himself as a sacrificial lamb. Yes. In that sense, he has purchased the inhabitants of the earth. And we're going to see this in uh, chapter 7, uh, that these inhabitants of the earth purchased by the blood of the Lamb, mm-hmm. that that in a sense allows this plan to unfold. Yes. Because this is a plan of redemption and that redemption was purchased by the Lamb. And so only he therefore is worthy to implement this plan. Yeah. So um, so we get here and there's a statement by uh, uh, N.T. Wright, New Testament scholar, that I think is worth reading, just a general overview about the seven seals. So Great. we're going to talk about, Great. first of all, the seven seals. Um, uh, it says here, this is summary statement, unless the ills of the world, um, just a quick explanation, the first four of the seven seals unleash the four horsemen. Of the okay, apocalypse, yeah, right. you know, which, which I mean, it doesn't call them that here in the text, the four but, horsemen. But they're known as the four yeah. horsemen of the apocalypse because apocalypse is another word for revelation. Yeah. Okay. In fact, it's the Greek word for revelation. Okay. Uh, uh, apocalypse. So, that's, so. That's, that could be a biblical term. It is a biblical term. Okay, that's great. actually, it's the title of the book of Revelation in Greek. Is the apocalypse so, so? So the phrase "the four horsemen of the apocalypse," which is now now sort of thrown around about anything you know to do with anything of a judgment yeah. or anything like that, the four horsemen. It's such a popular part of popular culture. Yeah, it's amazing that this is where it comes from. Yeah, this is yeah. where it comes from. Right. So N.T. Wright says, unless the ills of the world are brought out, 
shown up in their true colours, put on display and allowed to do their worst, they cannot be overthrown. Unless the four horsemen ride out and do what they do, the scroll cannot be read. The victory of the lion lamb will not be complete. We have just celebrated the magnificent scene in the throne room with the whole of creation singing glorious, thunderous hymn of praise to the creator God and to the slaughtered lamb. We have celebrated the fact that he has won the victory. Now God's rescue plan... Uh, now God's plan to rescue the whole world can go ahead. So surely all we have to do is turn the page and we will find, and here is where uh, and where I guess there's this sense of we, we expect to see four glorious remedies to the world's <laughs> problems. Instead we get four horsemen that yep. actually compound the problem. You yep. know, And what they're doing as he goes on uh, to say, he says, thus when the lamb first opens the four, first four seals on the scroll, instead of four glorious remedies to the world's ills, we find the four living creatures summoning four horses and riders each so it seems to make matters worse. Mm. Each horse represents an aspect of depravity and each one leads to the other. Yep. Um, so we get this um, we get this progression from one of these horses to the other. So first of all, now I think it's important to point out that we've met these horses before already in uh, in scripture. Have we? W- w- well, we've met four horsemen already in scripture. Yes, and and this is evoking those four horsemen. And this comes from Zechariah chapter one. During the night, I had a vision. And there before me was a man mounted on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in a ravine. Behind him were red, brown and white horses. I asked, what are these, my Lord? The angel who was talking with me answered, I will show you what they are. Then the man standing among the myrtle trees explained, they are the ones the Lord has sent to go throughout the earth. And they reported to the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees, we have gone throughout the earth and found the whole world at rest and in peace. Now, this this peace that they that they are um, that they have seen yeah. isn't a it's a piece of political oppression because wow. because this is the Persian Empire this is in the period of the Persian Empire um, it's like the Pax Romana and in fact um, in the time of that Revelation was read that they everyone was saying this is a, a time of Peace, yes. Unless, of course, you're a barbarian or someone. <laughs> There's plenty of battles going on. Now, now up defi- there. for those who aren't a student so, of history, Pax Romana. Uh, Pax Romana means Roman peace. Okay. And it was a celebrated aspect. So these great empires kind of celebrated the fact that they brought peace. They put an end to tribal warfare and and they brought peace. But it was a heavy-handed piece of political oppression. Okay. Wow. And so. Um, the, these angels go out and they say, we see the world at rest and in peace. And that's kind of political term for one empire controlling everything. Okay. You know. Um, so these four horse, that, well, in Zechariah. Yeah, in Zechariah. They, they, and so it's interesting, that's so in Zechariah, they go out and they discover this this um, situation of political peace. So in Zechariah, it's one horseman and three other horses, you know, sort of behind behind him type of thing. Well, there's four there's four horses here, and they yeah. go out, and there's kind of this sense of them going out to the four corners of the earth. Yes, in a sense, because there were, there was this sense of the four directions: yes. north, south, east, west. Okay? Yeah, yep. So they go out. Okay. So the so in Revelation, and this is the way that Revelation works. Mm. It is constantly utilizing symbols that we've already seen because. The purpose of Revelation is to be the consummate expression of everything. It's the fulfillment it. oh. of every other prophecy in Scripture, okay? Yeah. So what it does is that it uses these figures in a way to um, show this fulfillment. 
it, to allude to those scriptures to show that this is bringing everything to a head. Okay, so here's here's a crucial question that I want to get uh, right now. You know, for you here <clears throat> is, uh, is is it is it just an illusion to you know are, are these horsemen like <clears throat> you said it's illusion like a fulfillment type of thing yeah. or you know, this is really sort of, yeah. you know, this is going to be the ongoing discussion that you yeah. and I have over the book of Revelation for the, yeah, sure. the entire thing. Or is this the literal same, you know, God has created these four spirits, these four entities, these four heavenly beings, these horses and the riders. Have they been around since the beginning of history? Are they ready to go? Zachariah had a, had a uh, you know, vision of them revealing part of their purpose and now John is getting the final fulfilment of their purpose. Well, uh, <laughs> in this case, probably not because they're different coloured horses. There is a, um, there's a white horse uh, and there's a red horse, but there's not a black and a pale horse. There's well, a green. Maybe they were behind a, a tree. Uh, uh, not a green one. There's a, what are they? Pale, I mean, pale green or something? Uh, red, brown and white horses. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. Maybe I'm it was just, a setting sun. Looking and a over this. Maybe it was a different colour in the, you know, the lighting. I don't well, know. Well, yeah. Um, uh, behind him were red, brown, and white horse. So there seems to be two red horses here. So, yeah. but the, the point is, is that there's still there are four horses here. Yeah. Look, maybe. I mean, again, we've got to remember, and maybe this alludes to what you're saying. Yeah. In both in Zechariah and in uh, Revelation, these are symbols of something. Okay. Now, this does raise a question. Okay, and I'm just going to just let me finish off the point of yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. moving from Zechariah. So sorry. Um. So the the contrast. It's doing a really interesting thing with this actually yeah. in Revelation because whereas the four horses in Zechariah's time are discovering the earth at peace and bringing yes. that news back, yeah. the four horses in Revelation are actually disturbing this false peace. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're actually stirring things up yeah. and smashing this brittle false political peace, yeah. which was very poignant in the Roman era because there was this celebrated Pax Romana yes. Roman peace thing. So and, for, and it's showing it's very it's a very brittle thing. This is not an answer to the unrest of humanity. Yeah, the Pax Romana isn't an answer to that. Okay, I love, I love that is so applicable to us as well. So let's yeah. let's get it right. And this is the beautiful thing about prophecy here, all the way through the Bible, but especially in Book of Revelation. The readers at the time were putting the Jewish idea of these horse riders mm-hmm. from Zechariah talking about political peace. Yeah. Onto their Roman peace, you know, yeah. era that they're living in, but going, this is not really, yeah. this is not really peace because they yeah. weren't experiencing it as Christians. Yeah. And God saying, you know what, with this, the either the allusion to the same characters, or let's say maybe the same characters that we yeah. you know from Zechariah, yeah. these th- these entities, I'm going to send out and break that peace, yeah. smash it up, so people can really see what's happening. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what's happening. Whoa. So it, it begs the question then on, on going on from what you were saying uh, before is are these demonic entities mm. or are they kind of angelic entities? And there's some debate. Uh, or can I say are they something? Or, or something else, yeah. Something else. Now what is evident here, and, and I'll just read um, – uh, I'll just read a little bit of this. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, come. And I looked and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow and was given a crown and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Okay, so we get this pattern here. The first horse 
goes out as a conqueror. So the idea here, this warmongering, power-hungry element in humanity, right? Mm -hmm. This is being stirred up, brought to the surface, Mm. okay? Because it's there, but perhaps latent to some extent, but it needs to be brought out in its fullness in order to be be recognised so that people recognise as a problem. Yep. Okay, and then and then properly justice could be brought to it when right. people understand it properly. Exactly. Okay. Then the next, the red horse uh, is you get the same pattern. Uh, one of the living creatures saying, "Come," and then he brings. Um, he says, he, "He its rider." Then another horse came out of fire. A red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth to make people kill each other. Okay. Mm. Then you get the black horse. Now the black horse brings basically um, scarcity and injustice. So. Poverty, basically, which yes. is a direct consequence. So the the kind of uh, conquest orientation leads to war, war and conflict, which leads to poverty, yep. okay, and injustice. Uh, that's the, then I heard a loud voice among the four living creatures saying two pounds of wheat for a day's wages, six pounds of, that's basically a way of talking about poverty. Yes. Um, and injustice. And then you get the pale horse, the fourth horse, uh, who brings basically terror and death. Okay. So- all of these things, again, one leads to the other. Uh, these are all elements of uh, what is there. It's being brought to the surface. But I want you to note that in each case, it's in the heavenly control room, as it was, yeah. are saying, come. So there's this sense in which it almost doesn't matter whether these are demonic beings or or whether these are um, angelic, angelic beings. beings or whatever kind they are because else. actually the point is and what we see in Revelation is that God is in control of them all. Wow. See, wow. I mean, this is what is evident. You know, we, we're going to meet the red dragon, aren't yeah. we? We're going to meet the beast out of the sea, the yeah. beast from the earth. And at every point there's this sense of God saying, I'm allowing this to happen. Yeah. I'm allowing this to come to the surface, this problem, so I can defeat it, yeah. you see. So at every single point, there's this sense that the heavenly control room has sovereign control over everything. This is the beauty of the book of Revelation. Yeah. Because, and this is the, you know, the, the living creatures say, come. Mm. And so the red horse goes out and, and brings and, all this to the surface. And the thing, the thing you, you, you're speaking of something that has really spoken to me in this part of it. Uh, in 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 um, reading in reading through the book of Revelation, these chapters again, over and over again, <laughs> the overwhelming sense that I have is not only that God is in control, but this is God's design. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like yeah, this yeah. is like God has made these entities, whatever they are. Yeah. For a particular purpose, yeah, and we get you know, like even when we get these creatures in control of the Euphrates River, we get these things coming yeah, out of yeah. the bottomless pit. We get all of these cast of characters that are terrifying beyond belief, yeah. and it's like God saying, "Go, yeah, God, now's is, your turn." He's now like your, directing yes, the whole thing, yeah, and it is. It's scary to us in in twenty twenty, and this is something I'm, we might build to over this episode, Matt, because I think you want to speak to this. I had and a big shout out to a uh, wonderful listener, Kendra, uh, you know, who's uh, part of my life group and just a wonderful uh, new Christian, yeah. you know, within the, in the last couple of years. She's never read the book of Revelation before. Yeah, maybe read some other books before. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She has. Don't worry. She has. Don't worry. But she's going through Thrive and she's loving Thrive yeah. and she's loving the podcast and everything like that. And I'm so excited to be sitting alongside her. I'm so mm. annoying to her because mm. I, when we get together, because I'm like, 
what's it like? <laughs> what's it like reading it for the first time? And she's like, yeah. this is the weirdest thing. Like this is, yeah. you know. So my question to you, uh, you know, but she's getting it. Yeah, good. This is the yeah. beautiful thing. Yeah. As she reads through with accompaniment guides and people talking, she's like, literally she said to her, she's like, man, it all comes together at the end. And I was yeah. like, yes. Absolutely. This is it. She's like so many threads that I've been reading about and get culminated. And isn't in that was- great? Because maybe that's a better, That's it's like such a better way of approaching the text because I think as we get on, we get a little bit too, uh, we get a little bit too smart. You know, we kind of outsmart ourselves in the sense that we overanalyze the text oh. and and we lose that sense of big picture. Yeah. Well, I, I, I said, wouldn't it be wonderful to have your vision because, and a few of us in the group, uh, and shout out to someone else who listens to the podcast, wonderful Tim. Tim is like, man, we were raised with charts on the wall <laughs> and people looking at, you know, it's almost like a Christian horoscope yeah. of, okay, oh, whoa, there's this political news and this person, this prime minister said this to this president and look, that fulfills this. Yeah. And we were, we we lived in it in such a weird abstract way that we sort of lost the message of it. Yeah. And I think that can really easily happen. And one, one of the great ways to access this is to think about what this meant before we think about what it means. So what did it mean for the original recipients? Because very clearly this is written to seven churches in it, you know, persecuted churches uh, as a cross-section of an early persecuted church. Say that, say that again. You, say, you said, use that phrase. That's a great phrase. I'm going to put that in the show notes here. <clears throat> to think about what it meant before-, before, we, before we think about what it means. That is great. Yeah. That's, it's a very standard uh, an important principle in interpreting the Bible. It can't, it can't mean for us what it didn't mean for them in that sense. We've got to mm. first uh, understand what it meant then, and then we can apply it uh, yeah. to uh, to now. And um, we, you know, this is written to churches that were sorely, sorely persecuted, and they are thinking, "It's all. Where is the plan of God in this? We're we're losing. We're losing the battle." And it didn't seem like God was really in control at all. And so this is a vision that shows them, oh, no, I am. This is part of my, mm. part of my, um, wow. part of my plan, you know, cause they're thinking from an earthly point of view, they're thinking we're under attack from all sides and, you know, it's like we're losing and God's saying, no, you're not under attack. You're actually under repair, yeah. you know, and I'm using all of these things to, um, to lead towards the ultimate reparation of the world, yeah. you know. So, yeah. and and so there's there is this sense in which they are encouraged by seeing that with this vision of the heavenly throne room that God is sovereign over everything that happens. That He is actually it's not outside of God. It's not good what's happening. Yeah. Okay. Um, and yet, in a really amazing sense, it is within God's sovereign plan. So bringing back that principle of that you just said, bringing back the principle of have a look of what it meant before looking what it means, when we get that first person, original audience meaning in our heads that <clears throat> God is in control despite what I'm seeing around me, yeah. that speaks so much to us today oh, totally. as well. Because right now we're in the middle of all these crazy things going on around us. And if you just listen to the news and the media all the time and, and, and listen to what people are having to say, and there's this sense of sowing chaos in the world, yeah. if we just listen to that, we, all of a sudden we go, 
man, is God really in control? Oh, what is going that's on? Right. What is going on? People despair. They think, oh, it's all of these systems and then we come up with conspiracy theories and there are all of these things that work in the world and we still, we feel so embattered and, and, and we need to recognise that perspective, that God is, is sovereignly at work in the world and yeah. ultimately he is going to only allow to happen what he wants to allow to happen. This, at, at a personal level even, this is important because one of the things that this highlights and particularly see this, and, and just going back to that point about God even throughout this book controlling even demonic entities really. And we, we see this, by the way, in a number of ways in Scripture. You know, the scene in, I think it's 1 Kings 22, uh with Micaiah the prophet and and I think it's um, Jehoshaphat and Ahab, mm. and and he has this vision of this heavenly throne throne room and God is is um, giving permission to a demonic entity to be a, a lying spirit in the yeah. in the mouths of the prophets to mm. actually lead the king astray, astray yes. because they want to be led astray in some sense, you yes. know. So yeah, God is um, giving them yeah. over to it, and yeah. then of course remember the evil spirit from the Lord, and that's yeah. a quote yeah. that was sent into Saul. Yeah. You know, that and, tormented and, Saul. And even Paul, even Paul in the New Testament says, you know, he's buffeted again, like the, that thorn in his flesh. Yeah. There's definitely a spiritual element there yeah. that and isn't so, good. But it's, it's very much allowed by God. So yeah. so in, in Saul's case, it was about bringing, I guess, bringing to the surface the inner conflict mm. in him. And so there, it's this sense that God is, um, God is really running the show. And and so this is the, the the application of this because sometimes I get concerned that Christians have a way of you know when things happen and we think oh no we're under attack and it's like the devil the devil the devil and we're always talking about the devil right yeah, yeah. and what the devil's doing and oh, man alive we give him way too much credit amen because the fact is is that no demonic entity can do anything in this world without the without God allowing it to yes, happen amen. you know and so we we shouldn't be thinking about what the devil's doing what the devil's doing but mm. what is God doing mm. okay mm. like focus on what God is doing because obviously mm. God has allowed something here so focus on that Mm. It's really unhealthy, I think, for us to continually be thinking about what the devil's doing, and also this view that um, if you know if something bad is happening to me, oh, I'm under attack. You know, mm. I'm under attack. That's a and and like, yeah, I mean, in a sense, yes, but actually, in God's scheme, from a heavenly perspective, you're not under attack. You're under repair, mm. and God will use whatever, even you know, even. Um, evil things in the world to actually push us, bring things to the surface and push us to a point of repair, you see? And, and that's it. You don't get oh – man, you, you, you're, you are on point today, Matt. The, uh, and I'll, and I'll give, a, I'll give a, uh, something that I've been thinking about with this in conjunction with this. We don't read the letters of the New Testament from Paul, Peter and that. Yes, there's a mention of spiritual <coughs> battles and mm. stuff like that. But my goodness, they were under spiritual attack in, in yeah. the most in the most tangible way possible. Yeah. And you don't hear them complaining that they're under no. attack, under attack. Instead you say you hear them saying, Pray, give yeah. thanks. Praise, joy, like they, and they're focusing on what God is doing. Yes, in. they are focusing so, on, and, yeah. and and in light of that, in the in this very chapter in chapter six, I love how it goes from the four horsemen of you know the four horsemen of the apocalypse: this chaos, this death, the grave, terror, all this you know it's the thing, and then the next seal 
to give us that picture, yeah. to give that yeah. overall picture, is the martyrs, cry, you know, yeah. I think the next seal is the martyrs crying out saying, you know, yeah. we we desire justice. Yeah, that's right. And and God is like, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. This is all part of the plan. Just as like this is, it gives you context for what the four horsemen are yeah, about. That's right. Like yeah. without without that bit with the martyrs, it's like oh, that's a bit unusual. Yeah. But then from that going into this series of the seal, the next seal being the voice of the martyrs, it's like oh, yeah. This is about God's fulfillment, timing, plan, everything in in His control. That's right. Yeah. It's. I, I think that's a really important. I actually that that bit about the prayer of the martyrs is. Significant, and we're going to get this throughout this book because not only are we seeing, as you said, this is God in control, but this is God doing things in response to the prayers of the martyrs. Of the martyrs, yeah. I think that's beautiful. This um, just just to seal off that point too about the under attack thing. I, I feel sometimes that 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 way of responding to things is a bit of an abdication of responsibility as oh. well. It's like Eve, you know, oh, yeah, the devil made me do it. It's the, the serpent that you made, he, you know, well, no, no, I'm calling you. Like, for example, had a um, uh, someone say to me once about their, and, and not, I think, probably not anyone that anyone's listening would know. Yeah. I mean, this is a long time ago. Yeah said to me about, you know, their relationship, there was a lot of conflict in their relationship and they said to me, oh, we've really been under attack, really been under attack. And I'm thinking, no, you're attacking one another. You know, like you're doing the attacking. So it's like, I shouldn't be laughing. You know, but, but honestly, but that's, you know, I think there's this, there's this kind of abdication of responsibility when we focus on... It's like what the devil's doing. No, first of all, we need to focus, take responsibility yeah. for ourselves and focus on what God is doing and what God is saying to us in that. Yeah. You know, I think that's a really important uh, point within that. And um, I, I, I 100% agree. I, I literally had a conversation with, a, uh, with Benita about, <laughs> again, someone who's very far removed from anybody that anybody would know, uh, someone saying exactly that. They kept on using the phrase, I'm, atta- I'm, I'm under a t- immense attack at the moment. I'm under immense attack. And it was in context of, of you know, c- Christian life, whether yeah. that's reading the Bible, prayer life, church. Yeah. And it was like, well, and digging a little bit deeper, oh, what do you mean? Well, anytime I attempt to do anything Christian, I fall asleep. I'm under attack. I fall asleep. And you go, okay. And then you look at their social media and they're posting at two o'clock in the morning. And you go, well, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. Bit of responsibility. (laughs) Maybe a bit of responsibility there. there. And and it's not, see, it's not that we're not. Like, you know, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. You know, Peter talks about that. It's not that that perspective is denied, but it's not a perspective that, that, is is the leading perspective it's just there in the background but the the only you know the, the only really real way to live a victorious life is to folk is to, first of all to take responsibility for ourselves Amen. you know if if some f- flaming arrows are getting through well maybe you need to look at your armor mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. take responsibility mm-hmm. and and maybe even god wants to highlight something there you mm-hmm. know so uh you know first of all take responsibility and then focus on what god is doing yeah and so um moving on then to the uh to the martyrs one of the key things that we see here of course is the prayers because the thing that god does want us to do through this 
rather than complain about uh, what's well. Certainly, we can complain to God about what's happening. The Psalms do that, but uh, not in the whinging sense, mm. but in the appealing to God sense. Okay, and what we have here is essentially an imprecatory psalm or imprecatory psalm, depending yep. on whether you want to say it the American way. <laughs> you know, this is um, the pr- prayers uh, of the martyrs, uh, verse 10. They called out in a loud voice, how long? This is the fifth seal. Let's just give this yeah, context. Yes, yes, yes. The fifth seal is broken. Then he opened the fifth seal. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony he had, they had maintained. By the way, the lion-lamb symbol, Mm -hmm. there's this sense in which in order to be the victorious lion, he had to become, Jesus had to become the slain slain lamb. Amen. This is actually also true in a sense of these, the people that this is written to. Yeah, 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 yeah. In order for them, God is saying to be victorious, they're going to have to be like slain lambs in this sense. And so there's this. There's this connection under the altar. Mm. Okay, there's the altar of sacrifice mm. and there's the souls of the martyrs. And there's this sense, there's this expression in the Bible about, you know, the blood crying out, you know, the blood of Abel cries out to me, mm. uh, for example, in uh, Genesis. Um, so, <clears throat> but here we have the martyrs' prayer. They called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Right, this is a prayer for vengeance. Now, it's interesting that a lot of people look at the Psalms, which that are prayers for vengeance, and say, "Oh, no, no, that's an Old Testament thing. These don't apply anymore. Mm. We don't pray for that sort of thing. We just..." Well, there's a new has a New Testament example. In fact, in the ideal environment of heaven itself, mm. we have this prayer for final vengeance and justice yeah. uh, on the earth. So, um, and. What's going to be depicted here, and and we're going to in a moment have a look at another in chapter 8, that God is doing things in response to prayer. So the Mm. prayers go up, the answer comes down. Mm. And the... This is where this break is here in the sixth, uh, the uh, fifth seal, and then we move to the sixth seal, and there you get he opens the sixth sixth seal. <laughs> That's a hard one to say. Um, there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the the stars of the sky fell to the earth uh, as figs drop from a fig tree. Uh, the heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed for, from its place. Now, again, this is standard prophetic language for international upheaval. Mm, mm. Like, for example, Isaiah describes the fall of Babylon mm-hmm. in just these same ways. Same way, yep. Jesus describes the um, the fall of Jerusalem, Jerusalem in, same, in the same kind same of imagery. Language. Okay, yep. so so it doesn't mean that literally there's going to be an end to the space time universe. Yep. Um, it means that there's going to be absolute upheaval, universal upheaval. Yeah. Okay. That's what is being described. And as we finish off chapter six here, we're about to take a break. The amazing response is as, as all the people, you know, great and poor and everybody else, they hide themselves. They, they run away and they say, you know, uh, you know, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for great, for the great day of their wrath has come and who will be able to survive. So there's a sense, even in the people that are running from this disaster and calamity, whatever it is, that they are understanding that this is coming from God, this is coming yeah. from Christ, this is coming from heaven. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And it's interesting that it's from the wrath of the, la- the, the Lamb because the Lamb, of course, is slain to make forgiveness and grace available to anyone. Mm. And... 
yet they're running away. Mm. They're running away from him, not to him yeah. in this sense. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, as, as I've often said, we have an opportunity to meet Jesus's judge and saviour now. There'll come a point when he'll he'll be judge. Yep. And he'll certainly be seen to be the glorious saviour, but the opportunity for salvation will will have passed. And now we can meet Jesus, the judge of, of Satan. Now we go to him and allow him to bring to judgment the things in our lives so that we can be forgiven. So what the four horses are doing here in Revelation chapter 6, Jesus wants to do that actually in our hearts, to bring all of the all of the guilt to the surface, all of the gunk, bring it wow. all to the surface so that he can judge it in this sense, but to bring forgiveness and grace. Let's take a break. We'll be back more. That is chapter six of Revelation. Let's tick that box and move into, let's see if we can do this, Matt. Seven, eight, nine in the rest of the episode. It's DJ Matt here, episode 97 of Thrive Deeper. family, it's DJ Payne here and interrupting our conversation about the book of Revelation. Hopefully you are getting as much of out of it as I am enjoying this conversation immensely. Listen, I want to let you know a couple of things that are happening. Uh, number one, we have got a whole other podcast out there, Thrive Perspectives. And thank you to everyone who has subscribed and rated to our new podcast, Thrive Perspectives. It means a lot to us. It is still in its infancy, but I want to let you know about an episode that is getting so much feedback as it's just gone live and people are absolutely loving it. Matthew and I sit down on the latest edition of Thrive Perspectives and we talk about sex, gender, and sexuality. I know, I know, big topics, touchy topics for some, but the feedback we're getting out of this episode, it's the number one topic that people have asked us to talk about on Perspectives. And so that episode is out there right now. Please check it out, subscribe it if you love it, rate it out there on iTunes and other services, give it five stars. That gives us maximum exposure to get out there. Now, in light of that, we've got Thrive Deeper and Thrive Perspectives. I want to let you know, circle on the calendar at the moment, either Friday, July the 10th or Saturday, the July 11th. It's going to be one of those days we haven't totally got it in stone yet, but on the either one of those two days, we're going to be celebrating the 100th episode of Thrive Deeper and also recording another episode of Thrive Perspectives live online. So you can join us, watch us record it live, ask questions. We're going to try answering them. You're going to do that all in the, I know how much you're loving your Zoom conversations and all of your online networking. We're going to do that, that technology and use it for the live episode of 100 100, can you believe it? 100 episodes of Thrive Deeper and another episode of Thrive Perspectives. Stay tuned to all of our social media and, of course, to thrivetoday.tv to find out that information. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get back into this episode of Thrive Deeper as we head into Revelation chapter 7.
Drive Deeper, episode 97. We have just finished chapter six. Matthew, our plans to get through uh, three or four chapters, this it's not looking too good. We've got to get through seven, eight, and nine if we're going to stay on schedule. Yeah, can we'll we do right. it? Yeah, All we right. can do it. I think we can do it. All right. So we, we come now to an interlude. Now, there, there are key interludes that the revelation is dominated by three sets of sevens, seven seals, seven trumpets, and then seven bowls. Mm-hmm. Now, there are important interludes in, in, in between. Each of those. The first of these interludes depicts the sealing of God's people. They are sealed, okay? Now, this sealing of God's people, the seal that is put upon them, contrasts later on, we're going to, uh, we're going to meet the, the beast and the mark of the beast. Yes. Okay? Yep. So there is, this is the polarizing effect that the book of Revelation has. So some are going to receive the mark of the beast. Yep. Other, others are going to receive the seal of Christ upon them. Wow. Okay? Yep. So, uh, so this is what we see. All of this judgment is, is happening, but there, there is this 144,000, first of all, that is sealed. So Again, the, well, first off, first off, we meet more of these heavenly creatures. This time, angels who yeah. are in charge of the four winds. Yeah. That's you know, right. again, these these other heavenly creatures, you know, these other heavenly beings, they're holding back the four winds while there's an interlude, and it's literally like all this chaos is happening, and then yeah. hold back everything. Stop. That's right. Seal. So it's yeah. like the storm is yes. being held yes. back. Wait, we're going to seal these yeah. people. There's this preciousness to God's people yeah. in this, and. Um, this is what uh, leads some people to say that there is a sense that, that there perhaps is going to be a literal seven-year tribulation, tribulation. Yep. Uh, that b- before which God's people are going to be caught up yep. uh, in, in, into heaven. That's that's one view here. Um, whatever whatever the case, there is this sense of God's people being protected in some sense yes. here, and and they are uh, they receive this seal, and then it numbers them uh, by by tribes, and it's interesting. Um, that uh, first of all, uh, we get this 144,000, and he hears this 144,000 being named, the 12,000 from this. And then he says in verse 9, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude. So um, the, the I, most, um, I'm just looking at some of my notes uh, here. This is a kind of a summary. Uh, statement um, in one of the commentaries said, most readers of Revelation, though not all, agree that the list of people who are sealed in this way in verses 4 to 8 refers to the same people who were then described as a great unaccountable crowd. Yeah, 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 I've heard that. So the the 144,000, so obviously multiples of 12,000, you know, the number 12 is kind of the fullness of God's people, the full 12 tribes, as it were. Yes. Okay. And of course, there's the 12, I mean, there's an allusion to the 12 apostles Apostles. as well. We've got the 12 apostles. And we've already talked about the 24 elders uh, as well. So the, you know, that multiple of 12, the 12 times 12 in 144,000, um, is probably a symbolic way of talking about the great multitude. Now, okay. again, not that there are some people who would say, no, the um, 144,000, I think this is probably what you may have heard, 140,000 are a literal yes. 144,000 Jewish yep. people. Yeah. 
in, in heaven. Yeah. And then the, the great multitude is just everyone. Well, well yeah. All of God's people. Sort of. It was, it was <clears throat> you know, again, there's many, I mean, we're talking about the book of Revelation here. Yeah. So there's so many different interpretations. <laughs> the one, the one that I traditionally grew up with is that these 144,000, you know, that carrying the seal of the living God, uh, you know, and and you know, are not being injured and blah blah blah. Are uh, this work? This is this comes into yeah. the worldview of this tribulation, otherwise known as in some in some areas of prophecy, uh, yep. Jacob's trouble. Yeah. Is God and also the, the 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 final week of Daniel's seventieth weeks and all that yep. type of stuff is finally God saying, right, I'm going to I've put the Jews aside while I've while I've made the church full. Yeah. Now it's time for me to deal with the Jewish race, the Jewish people. Yeah. And this is part I traditionally grew up with. This is God's work on earth. This is what the seven years is about. God dealing with the Jewish people and out of the Jewish people, seemingly miraculously, because even the Jewish people today yep. don't know who's, who's what tribe it is, yep. you know, because yep. the tribes are scattered and lost. But God says, no, no, I know who's in the tribe and I'm going to call yep. out of those tribes people who will come to me, recognize me. I will seal them. They will become my voice yep. on earth. Yep. And then from that, so traditionally I've grown up going, okay, God is doing a work with yeah. the Jewish people on earth. Meanwhile, those people who are getting martyred through yeah. the tribulation yeah. and are still giving themselves up and not, you know, who, yeah, who are right. dying, we see that other part in the rest of the chapter. That's right. And that that may well be, you know, yeah. that's that, that may well be the case. Yeah. The, the point is, I think, of this chapter is that it's all inclusive, ultimately. That, that it's all inclusive. 100%. 100%. Yeah. That, that – uh, all of them, the, the God, that we already see that these uh, the martyred church is the souls are there. We see that the it, it's a beautiful picture of all these different ages coming together. Yeah. The Jew, the Jewish people are coming together. Yeah. The people who are living through the tribulation in this other alternative time yeah. are coming together, and ultimately they are all coming to yeah, the Lamb, saying, right. "You are God." And they're all wearing white robes yeah. as well, which yeah. is a symbol, of course, in the temple. Uh, the priests wore white robes. It was a symbol of purity, and of course, they have been made pure. Uh, by the sacrifice of the lamb, and these white robes uh, symbolise that. So then we move in. Let's move into chapter eight. Yes, um, chapter eight is significant, and I'm just going to read this because again, this is the interlude. Uh, um, we've had the interlude, and then he opens the seventh seal. Okay, and and usually, and if I got it right, <clears throat> Matt, that the end of, of the seventh of these seals, trumpets, and bowls. Significant signifies. Thank you. <laughs> signifies the next. Yeah, that's right. Lot of judgments. That's or right. The next occasion. So the the seven trumpets are within this seven seal. Yeah. yeah. And within the seventh trumpet is the seven, seven bowls. bowls. Okay. So it's <laughs> it goes like that. I love it. So it says here when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now, one suggestion about this, I mean, this could be a, a, a silence of awe and anticipation. Absolutely. Or one suggestion is because of what comes next, is that this is silence for the prayers of the saints to be heard. Oh. I think that's a beautiful picture. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people. Now, in the tabernacle, there was a incense table. Yes. And it was put before the curtain that led to the Holy of Holies. Yeah. 
and the picture that it was a symbol of the prayers of God's people. It's like as the incense went up, yeah. this sweet incense, the prayers of God are like sweet incense yeah. to God Love it. going up into heaven. Yeah. So what happens here is that the angel is taking all of the prayers of the saints that they're praying Imagine this when you when you're praying and praying and nothing's you know you feel like it's just getting worse. Um, well, here this picture we have the angel takes these prayers as symbolically contained in this censer, um, and it says here on the golden altar in front of the throne. Okay, so he's taking this before the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. Now look beautiful, at this. Beautiful. Then the angel took the censer filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it on the earth. Right, And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Can I just say, can I just say? (laughs) How good is this? You see, this is the prayers go up and the answer comes down. Bang. And the the, the symbology of of the incense burner being the same thing going up is amazing. But I need to give a shout out here to, uh, to basically anybody who has been marginalised by the church for their love, This is, bear with me with this, Matt, for their love of heavy metal or heavy music. <laughs> because I kid you not, if you trace back the beginnings of heavy music. I don't know where you're going here. Well, this, uh, the, the talk about the most metal book in the, in the world is the book of Revelation. And all of the heavy metal music that started yeah. in the 70s and 80s all comes from the book of Revelation. Yeah. If you listen to that original, yeah. I'll go really go there. If you listen yeah. to the original Black Sabbath and everything, they're literally singing the book of Revelation, yeah. you know. The devil came out, you know, they're all singing this stuff. Yeah. And the church freaked out because they were like, well, but I, when I read the book of Revelation, if you don't hear the chaos of heavy metal guitars yeah. going in the background, the soundtrack to this would be absolutely awesome. Well, it depends on your cultural <laughs> conditioning. Some people might hear Wagner, maybe. <laughs> well, you're doing yourself this. I, I just think this is such a, you know, it, we. we the, the, and my point in saying that is the book of Revelation really portrays a part of God's character that we in the church like to sweep under the rug. Yeah. We in the church get really uncomfortable when we talk about God's judgment, God's wrath, yeah. God's burning anger for the injustice in the world. You yeah. know? And and I think in yeah. li- in light of in light of the things that we see today, yeah. w- we let ourselves burn up in anger and, and wrath with things that we see in the news. Yeah. yeah political yeah. things that are going on we let ourselves burn up with this and i think the christian call here is to it, we when we when we don't look at it and see that god has this in his personality we feel that we have to do something about it yeah and i think part of me becoming a mature christian is to go you know what i am upset in the injustice of the world i take it to god in prayer yeah it goes into that inc- incense, That's right. you know, incense bowl. He's going to deal right. with it, and I can be at peace and leave it up to him. That's right. I don't, yeah. and again, I'm not having a go at anybody who who feels that they have to do things about these things, but I don't have yeah. to Good. burn in anger or, or or muster up something within me. I can leave it to God, yeah, and he's going right. to be. Yeah, he's he, going to deal with it. He's going to deal with it much better than what I can. It's distinguishing from it's distinguishing what our job is from what God. Yeah, God's prerogative is. Uh, amen. amen. So we get these. Uh, we get this silence in heaven. The seventh seal is open. Then we get the seven trumpets. Ooh. Okay. Now trumpets, of course, are a symbol of 
like warfare, blowing the trumpet, yep. an alarm yep. also. Uh, it's a symbol of judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, blow the trumpet, sound the trumpet, this, yep. these ideas. And it's often it's often used, <clears throat> I mean, depending on what translation you have, you usually have like a mighty blast. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. know, and it's definitely hearkening back to the very first time we would get that type of illusion in the Old Testament is Joshua you know, walking yeah. around with the, with the you know the people, and they bring down the yeah, walls of Jericho right. with the blast yeah. type of thing. And, and there is a kind of a warfare sort of element to this because, very um, intentionally, it seems at least the first four trumpets very much mirror the Exodus plagues. Great here. point. Yes, so, yes, yes. So this is clearly, and and the significance of the Exodus plagues is that they are they are. God making war on the gods of Egypt. Okay, so all of the idolatry here—it's like this is God making war on the idols of Rome because this was a big deal, of course, in in the day um, that uh, you know the the emperor of Rome claimed to be the son of God, demanded worship. They demanded that the Roman gods be worshipped, otherwise we're not going to win our battles and so forth. This is why Christians were controversial because they would not pay homage to the Roman gods. So they were seen, they were seen and to the uh, emperor. So they were seen as a, a threat to the success of the empire. Okay. So <clears throat> this is in a sense, making war in Exodus style language, making war uh, on, on uh, the gods of Rome. And, you know, we could extend that to the principalities and powers. So, in, yeah. in that sense. Can, can we, oh, I'm going to say something that'll probably, hate mail does not go to Matt, it goes directly to me. Could we say that these first four, you know, trumpets with the, yeah. you know, the, the things they're attacking, uh, you know, the, 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 the earth, they're attacking, you know, the sea and water, yeah. they're attacking like the environment, yeah. they're attacking the stars, they're attacking, you know, the space and everything like that, uh, you know, light and everything. Uh, they're attacking nature, basically. You know, there's a lot well, of- Well, it's ev- the, the, the significance of, of those, it's not so much nature as such, but every part of of the, the world, as it were, or the universe yeah. okay. is coming under this. It's it's like a universal judgment. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. That's what I mean yeah. by now. Like every element. Yeah. It's yeah. like every element. element. That's ele- right. Element. Yeah. Every element. Now, let me let me throw something at you, okay. and you can shoot it down in flames. I'm totally fine with that. We, we you mentioned there about the idols of Egypt, yeah, and you mentioned there about the idols of Rome. This is where yeah. the people take it. If I think of the idols of the person living in 2020, yeah, a lot of people's idols are the environment. You know, standing up for this. You know, these people, this thing, this thing. You know, the earth. You know, mm. green. This that. In, you know, climate change, all these things. And again, using heavy words that get you attacked. And I'm not doubting anything. I'm not saying anything is wrong or anything like that. This is what a lot of people devote their lives to. I mean, God has no problem of just going, I'm going to, it's it's mine to destroy. I'm going to destroy it. Like, well, uh, yeah, God doesn't destroy the earth. He renews the earth. And but of there's course, a process of, dis- of, of de- I mean, this is pretty heavy destruction first. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, so there's. I mean, Peter talks about a purging uh, of the earth. Uh, the elements will melt with fire. So, yes, there's a complete renewal here. Yeah. Now, that doesn't, of course, invalidate environmentalism. I think, no. uh, I think Christians should be environmentalists in the true sense because we were put in charge Amen. on earth. We are the gardeners of the garden. So, yeah. 
we should be the first to take responsibility for environmental problems. And, and I'm fundamentally okay with the fact that if there's something wrong with the world, it's probably our fault. Amen. Okay, so, um, but yes, you know, of course, you know, I mean, people go out uh, and, and whatever cause you put before God's cause is becomes can become a form of idolatry. Because I, imagine, I can't help but imagine, I imagine <clears throat> what the people, like if this happened next yeah. week. yeah. I can't imagine the news and social media talking about it in any other language than climate change becoming real. Well, like this is I mean, the this thing. Is, I mean, I think this is interesting that in some respects, because, you know, th- this is where, this is the thing with the book of Revelation. Yeah. It invites so much speculation. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, um, let me give, I mean, you think, what is this? Like, I mean, there's, first of all, let's go into some of the details. Yeah. Uh, you know, something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea. Man, that looks like a meteorite. 100%. Is this yeah. a meteorite hitting the earth? Yeah. Or, or well, yeah. We, we know that that's, it's happened before. Yes. And when it did, it destroyed uh, a, a lot of life on earth. I mean, we're throwing so much stuff up into space all the time. We're launching more things all, all into space. Is there something that we launch into space? It falls back down from space. Like there's, you know, you could speculate, yeah, speculate, yeah, exactly. speculate. Uh, also, I mean, a classic one here is the star, the, the wormwood, yeah, right? Yeah. Now, I mean, here's an interesting fact. Um, <clears throat> I've been, uh, I, I watched that HBO series, uh, Chernobyl. Yep. It's Excellent, by the yeah, way. Yeah. And then I read the book yeah. that it was based on, you know. <laughs> As you do. And, you know, it's the greatest nuclear, you know, nuclear disaster. And, shocking. And do you know what Chernobyl actually means? The word Chernobyl is a, a translation of the word wormwood. Seriously. Yeah. And even when the Chernobyl disaster happened, even President Reagan said this is the fulfilment of Scripture. Wow. Yeah. Because wow. it was – it was like Chernobyl actually means wormwood and that was this sense of connection with uh, with the biblical text. Wow. Because, you know, at the time, this is, we, we are the nuclear, we're going to kill ourselves yeah. with yeah. nuclear power. Yeah. That that was the whole, I mean, I can remember in, in the, yeah. uh, in, at, uh, this was in the 80s, mm. um, how big an issue uh, this was. Well, I mean, is it talking about that? So, yes, the imagination yes. goes goes wild. And, and it may be in some respects... Um, uh, the, you know, we could be talking about environmental disasters, yep. or or you know, meteorite, or or nuclear, or I mean, who who knows what what this is yeah. talking about? But I think uh, the text is, I think, drawing lines to things probably isn't quite the point. No, I think it's possible. It's not quite yes. the point. Yeah, because this is a kind of symbolic portrayal of judgment mm-hmm. and, you know, numbers and symbols actually point to different things and they point back often to scriptures that have been used before. Okay, so the theme here in the end of, in the end of chapter 8 is one-third, <laughs> one-third, one-third, one-third. Yeah, which is interesting, by the way, because, of course, the seals, it was a quarter of the earth, a quarter. Yes. So we go from a quarter to one-third. Okay. So it's actually now, it's this intensification effect. Now, the, a third, a third, a third, a third goes right through this, yep. whereas with the seals, we had a quarter. Yes. So there's an intensification effect okay. uh, here. As we finish off chapter eight, I just, I've got to give a shout out here to the <laughs> eagle, a single eagle, yeah. crying loudly as it flew through the air, terror, terror, terror yeah. to all who belong to this world because of what will happen when the last three angels blow their yeah. trumpets. Imagine. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, again, this is me. I go literal. Imagine you're walking around yeah. at this time and there's an eagle screaming out terror, terror, yeah. terror. I mean, uh, the locusts are the things that really should be freaking us out here. These locusts that yeah. uh, were like scorpions, you know, like dragons, scorpion, locusts. I mean, this is this, and, and and they come out of this abyss. This is the f- the the fifth trumpet. Okay, yeah. uh, and out of the smoke. Uh, locusts out of this abyss, right? Come these locusts, uh, and on the earth, and were given power like that of scorpions. They were told not to. Ha- interesting. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not allowed to. Ki- now notice this. They were not allowed to do this. They were not allowed. They were allowed exactly. to do this, yep. but not. Al- so. Like, again, you're talking about a people who, who are experiencing persecution, but this sense that God is only, God is in control, allowing them to do this, not allowing them to do that. I mean, for all of the terrifying nature of these figures, uh, these scorpion-like locusts, yeah. they're totally under the control of God, even though they're not, you know, they may not be good in, in the terms of this, like, demonic yeah. things going on here, well, and but- yet... They're not outside of God's control. And in the, in that first half of chapter 9 with this fifth trumpet being, being the first yeah. terror, you know, the fifth trumpet is the first terror. Yeah. And, and the, you know, are these locusts. And, it, and the locusts are allowed to have this reign for five yeah. months, only five months, and then their king, this is where it gets uber trippy for me, their king is the angel from the bottomless pit whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, the Greek Apollyon, the destroyer, yeah. Just leaves it there. Yeah. That's the king of these things. Yeah. Allowed out of the bottomless pit. Wonderful. And that's the first terror. Watch out, the second one's coming. Yeah. It's like, holy so, so the, moly. Yeah, that's right. So there's this sense here in which um, these sort of demonic kind of beings are allowed to go out and do their worst. This is – and they come out of the abyss, right? So, so um, – it's you know out of the hidden places. Yes, um, it's it's now out in the open. Yeah, go do your worst. It's it's like the the idea in Revelation chapter twenty, and we'll get to Revelation twenty, of you know Satan being released for a short time. This is what this looks like. Yeah, you know, so uh, this is allowing the problem, allowing things to come out in its fullness, allowing the world to confront what's really going on, and of course the hope here is that people will. Uh, Will turn to God. Will turn to God, but it says at the end of chapter uh, nine, uh, the rest of mankind were not killed by these. The, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze. I mean, yeah. nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their, their sexual immorality, and their thefts. Okay, so this is. It, well, and, and that, and so clearly, this is the goal. Okay, yes, all of yes, this is released. Yes, it's like, do you see what you're dealing with here? Do you see what you are complying with here? Um, will you turn to God? Will you receive the seal of God? But at the end, we, even though this hap- all of this stuff happened, they still did not turn back to God. It's, it's, it's even though they had the opportunity. Yeah, 
It's uh, as we finish off chapter nine here. Of course, we get the sixth trumpet that you just alluded to. Yeah. The second terror, which is uh, you know these four angels that have been prepared since the founder. You know, with controlling the Euphrates River, they somehow you know there's a two hundred yeah. million person army. You know, they're they're going out these plagues and everything like that. It's just it's the most yeah. horrific scenes you can imagine. And and the the the, the picture there at the sixth trumpet is that of. Um, an angel holding back the forces of evil, as it were, and it talks about north of the Euphrates. Now, of course, if you're living in the Roman Empire, all a lot of the trouble is going to come from that direction. I mean, this is where they're fearing. It's yeah. the it's it's the peoples of the north sweeping down into so-called civilization to yeah. destroy the Pax Romana, to destroy the Roman peace. So here it's said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Yeah. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month were released to kill a third of mankind. I mean, angels, messengers, are these demonic uh, again, I mean, we, we don't it, know. It, and it doesn't, in some ways, it doesn't or, really or, matter. Or is it something, again, it, uh, you know, uh, part of this, you know, makes me think about the heavenly. Because they're the messengers heavenly of God. Realm. That's yes. the point. Yeah, yeah. Now, one, one last question as we wrap it up, and we're over time here for this episode, is the allusion there to this bottomless pit and to the angel and, and everything like yeah. that. Is I, I've heard some interpreters going back and, and tying this into way back to Genesis 6 to the angels that were, you know, sent away yep. from the beginning of the creation, the angels yep. that, that, yep. That, that that fell, that, uh, you know, co-inhabited with, with yep, mankind. Yep. Peter, Peter alludes to it as well in his books. And we now in the book of Revelation get these horrific demonic forces that have somehow been locked away, being released again. Is there any any connection? This or- is the, the abyss here. Um, the abyss here. Look, uh, I mean, you have to ask me questions like that. Don't hey, look you? I, I, I again, again. I, I don't think. I mean, honestly, they're not, they're not being released. You know, the, like the journey into hell, as it were, is is a one way yes. journey. You know, hell isn't the isn't the home of demons in, yeah. in, in scripture. No, it's, no. You know, it's the, it's actually the the final place of, of, separation of punishment, from justice, and separation yep. from God. Right. Yep. So, so um, I I don't think that's the. I think it's just talking about an abyss, like, um, uh, is being opened. I yep. mean, we 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 get this abyss later on. I'll, I'll maybe look into to the yeah. exact nature okay. of the abyss yep. um, for because again, I, I don't think there's a clear cut answer. No. I mean, there's as much in the book of Revelation. And whether it's those ones, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it's those ones because it talks about them being locked, you know, in chains. Yeah. In I mean, is the leader yeah, look is, into that? Yeah, 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 I've heard. I've heard some people lay <clears throat> lay the bottomless pit or the abyss here in Revelation on top of that, you know, uh, the fallen angel Nephilim, yeah. you know, type of yeah. you know, type of story, and saying, you know, that great evil that brought the destruction. Yeah. Of, the, of of Genesis yeah. is now being released again yeah. for the destruction. You know, all those type of things. Look. Again, literal, you know, metaphor, you know, yeah. symbolic. Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But all we can talk, all we can take away from this is go, uh, things are going to get really bad. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I think I just want to finish with this thought. Uh, you may you may be listening to this feeling, as this is a kind of ap- application to take from this. 
you might feel like there are things happening around you and in you that you might feel like you are under heavy attack. But from a heavenly point of view, you are under heavy repair. <laughs> You're under heavy repair. And, and repair often means that things have to get worse before they get better. Repair means that that your vulnerabilities, the, the secret things that are the, the the things that undermine you, the lies, the all of that needs to come out and be seen and and recognised. And that is really the first step towards our restoration. It's like this convoluted path to restoration. It you know begins with the four horsemen going out, bringing it all to the surface, and. We need to recognize, though, that when this happens, God is not, it's not like things are out of control. God is sovereign over all of this. Focus on what God is doing. That's the key. Focus on what God is doing. Because the fact is, is if your life is in the hands of God, you are under heavy repair. You might feel like I'm under heavy attack, but you are actually under heavy repair. And thank God that He does this. Because he not only has saved us once and for all, but he is saving us. And that's our comfort. Heavy attack versus heavy repair. I love that shift in thinking there that Matt has given us as we go through this book of Revelation. Once again, I just hope you're getting as much out of the text as we are as we're going through it. We would love to hear about your journey and you can do that by heading over to thrivetoday.tv. Thrivetoday.tv, you'll see way to contact us there. If you want to get more information about our upcoming live streaming episodes and how you can take part of that, that's the best place to do it. You'll find connections there to our Facebook page, our Facebook groups as well. Don't forget, coming up in that early part of July, we're going to be doing a live episode 100. Can you believe it? Strap yourselves in. You're going to keep on going through Revelation. Believe it or not, it gets a little bit darker as from where we are right now, but it's going to be okay in the end. I promise. I promise. So stay tuned with us. We'll see you in a fortnight's time. Thank you so much for being part of Thrive Deeper. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.